Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Witt. With me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today? Very excellent. How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, enough with the formalities. Let's get this thing kicked off. we got a special guest with us joining us from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Xavier beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer USA Today, but probably best known for being the only player in all football history with negative receiving yards and negative rushing yards in one season and still have a touchdown. You remember. <laughs> the fullback, of former fullback of your Elder Panthers, Mr. Adam Baum. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm honored that uh, that, that stat stuck with you. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. That, it's, that, the, that, it's the most unique stats in sports history. <laughs> yeah, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Man. <laughs> All those negative rushing yards, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was something special. Coach Ramsey told me, you're either going to have a touchdown or you're going to get thrown for a loss on this play. I got thrown for a loss. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Hey, yeah. Speaking of, real quick, before we get into some Xavier Musketeer stuff with you, uh, you got any? You got anything for us uh, to give us a little preview on the Elder Panthers uh, versus Coleraine uh, this this coming weekend? Yeah, well, this is you know this is kind of what I like to call the ultimate test because you know I think playing at Elder like you get so accustomed to to wars with LaSalle and wars with Saint X and tough games with Moeller and you, you kind of know what to expect, but. Colerain's kind of that outlier because if you look at Elder historically over the years, what they've struggled with is that those hyper athletic teams, those teams that that can get around the corner and, and cause them problems, and that's that's what Colerain does. That's what Colerain's bread and butter is. So I think that we're going to learn a lot about Elder on Friday night. I think the the key to the game for Elder is going to be just sit on that football, just. Keep your try to have your offense out on the field as much as possible. Try to run the ball down Colerain's throat, and try to keep their offense off the field because I think that's how. It, it, the more opportunities you give that offense and those playmakers, the harder it's going to be to keep them in check. Yeah, it it sounded like at the beginning of the season Colerain was going to be down a little bit, but then you you watch the scores at least if you didn't get a chance to see them and you it seems like they got better every week and I'm I'm sure they still have an incredible defense and then I don't know if they have a first year head coach do they still yeah. are they still running the option do you know Yeah they are I mean that that was a big question going into the season was is he going to switch it up is he going to change things around and you know to their credit I think everyone thought that they were going to have a little bit of a setback this year you know new head coach but they they have not missed a beat, man. And that's this is a scary game as it always is. I think, you know, the last time these two met in, in the playoffs, it was not pretty. I, I think that was, I can't remember. Was that Peyton Ramsey's last game, or did they see him again after that? I just know that you know the last couple times they've played Colerain in the playoffs, it it has not been pretty. So I think Elder's going to be pretty motivated. They should be. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that high-powered offense, elder offense, uh, hopefully will match up. And this might be a, this might be a game in the fifties, maybe for both teams. We'll see. But um, I know, and that's where exciting. that's where that uh, that's where that Clearwater game from earlier in the season, where El- with elder could really come in handy in this game, is the fact that elder got to see high-level athletes in that game. They're going to see more high-level athletes on Friday night. 
and they found a way to win a shootout. And I think if that's what it's going to be on Friday, you've got you've kind of got that in your back pocket, and you can lean on that a little bit, which is good. End up being one of those games where whoever the last team with the ball is is probably going to be the team that wins. Exactly. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you guys could probably do an entire podcast on this, but you know, you think about single-season quarterbacks in elder history, and Matthew Luby might be one of the best. You know, a guy who, who didn't play really as a junior, who kind of burst onto the scene as a senior, had one year to kind of make an impact. And, I mean, the season that he's had this year and what he's been able to do, obviously if they if they go and beat LaSalle and win the GCL championship, this is uh, it's a more compelling argument. But I was trying to rack my brain and think about, you know, the best single-season quarterbacks in elder history, and Matthew Luby's got to be up there. There are some incredible ones, and uh, you're right. I, I totally say, agree. I mean, there's a lot of – I mean, you go back and you think about quarterbacks at elder, and there's been some guys who have had some phenomenal seasons. Uh, but, but – I mean, I think the 72-yard touchdown run pretty much set that thing in stone, right? Oh, yeah. Did you – you were so Xavier played Friday. Uh, Elder and St. X played football on Friday. Xavier played basketball on Friday. You were at the game. I know I was at the game. I got back to my car in time to listen to uh, almost all of the second half. Did you get to get – were you able to listen to any of the game or get well, a hold was, of any of it? It was a kind of a wild dynamic in the in the media room after the Xavier game because, you know, essentially what they do is after the game, they bring in players, you get to talk to the players, and while that's happening, Travis Steele is doing his radio, his post-game radio. So the players leave, so when the players leave, I'm like, I'm watching it on Twitter, I'm updating, updating, refreshing, and at that point, St. X was up 24-21. And, you know, I can't remember exactly how much time was left, but I was pretty dejected. I was like, God, this does not look good. They bring in Travis, and we talked to Travis for maybe 10 minutes. I'm starting to transcribe that interview, and between, you know, I'd finish a Travis question, typing it out, and then I'd go to Twitter and check. I'd go back, start transcribing Travis, go back to Twitter and check. And I remember one of the times I went back and checked, was when I saw Luby's touchdown run, and I just, I, I exploded in the press. You know, there's, there's these, <laughs> there's these uh, media rules like no cheering in the press box, and and that was, uh, that was one of the times where I broke that rule a little bit. But it was, uh, it was fun. I'll tell you what, man, that was, it was a rough drive for Elder because they, they were having trouble getting plays in. It was taking way too much time off the clock, and uh, fourth down and. Guy goes 72 yards oh. on fourth and three, and the rest is history. All right, so uh, enough about about high school football because, like you said, we could do this. We could do this all day, but we got you on here to do what you to talk to you about what your day job is, which is following the Xavier Musketeers. This is a uh, basically a brand new team from next from last year, minus the the four core guys. Yeah, uh, but we got seven newcomers that come in. They decided to red shirt uh, Deontay Miles. And from here, where does this team? Uh, what? What? what do you, just let's get your first uh, thoughts on what this team can do this year. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's it's kind of a hung jury right now because I see I see them in practice, and I get to see times where you know the fan base and and everyone else doesn't get to see. And I know in practice that they are a much better offensive team than we've seen thus far. 
And I think that they've actually surprised me defensively in that I didn't think that they'd be this good on the defensive end. So if they can find a way to balance that out and say, you know what, we're going to play really good defense and eventually we're going to bank on the fact that some of these jump shots are going to start to fall. And I think if that happens, there's going to be a confidence that sets in. And I think that could have kind of a, a really positive ripple effect on the rest of the season. I think, you know, the Big East is going to be tough. I think Seton Hall's Seton Hall is just a, a giant this year. And, you know, the fact that Xavier was able to go on the road and beat Seton Hall at Seton Hall last year, I think that's that's a huge benefit for this year that those guys can lean on that and remember that and use that as kind of motivation. But, you know, I think that, that this could be a special year for Xavier. I know a lot of the fans and people are freaking out because they have not been good offensively. They have not played a complete 40 minutes. But, you know, I think back to last year, and last year was my first year on the beat. This time last year, I would have told you that Xavier was going to finish at the very at near the bottom of the Big East, and they would not have any hope to make the postseason. And I would have been terribly wrong last year with that assessment at this point in the year because, you know what, they put it together. They they started to play well. They just kind of ran out of time last year. Right. I think I think this year, if they can get to that spot a little bit sooner. If, you know, maybe say going into the Crosstown shootout, they're starting to really find their footing and, and, and get everyone on the same page and get guys healthy. <clears throat> I think we're looking at a lot better team this year. Maybe even a, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is a team that could be a second second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, at this point in time, they don't quite look that way uh, if exactly. you watch them play. However, how much of that is uh, is – is is credited to the fact that a kid like Kiki Tandy, who played in Spain, or was it Spain? Where did they, where did they go overseas? Yeah, yeah, they went and, over Spain. Yeah, so a kid that played in Spain, uh, the, this team got to got to see him as a true playmaker, and not having him on the court, uh, it, it almost feels like guys like Quentin Gooden, other guards, Quentin Gooden, Paul Scruggs, well, not much much Paul Scruggs, but mostly Quentin Gooden, almost seem lost on where what they need to be doing at this point in time without that elite score that they've been dealing with uh, over the past few months. Yeah, I think it's it's hard for everyone right now. And, you know, the, the reality is that Kiki Candy is a freshman. And, he yeah, he played in Spain, but he has yet to play a college basketball game. So right. I think – I think that on one hand, they're trying to be a little bit careful and say, you know what, this we can't have a, so much pressure on this freshman and say, you know what, our whole offense depends on you. But at the same time, I also, I've gotten to know Kiki a little bit and you get to talk to him and watch him and see how he carries himself. And I almost get this sense from him that like he likes that. like He wants that pressure. He wants them to depend on him. And I think the the thing that is missing so much from their offense right now is they don't have anyone who, like Kiki Tandy, the way I would describe him to someone who's never seen him play, who's never watched him, is he is a 9-12-0 run all by himself. He's a guy that can come down the court, pull up, hit a three with a hand in his face, and he can do that three or four times in a row if he's in a rhythm. And that's something that Xavier does not have right now, and it's something that they drastically need because you keep watching these jump shots rim in and out, and it's like, yeah, it's incredibly ugly to watch right now. Yeah. But it's like 
you know, you kind of you kind of take that with a grain of salt because their best shooter is not out there. And that's know? the thing. I mean, at this point in time, without without your best shooter out on the court, that takes away from so much of this offense and where this yeah. offense can go. Uh, it takes away from your inside-out game when nobody's hitting outside. The these teams that have played Xavier have played almost like a. a a pack-in zone where they just yeah, they, they just don't let you get inside. Them. They let them take yeah. every three they want, and it is not pretty because they don't go. No. Najee Marshall might be the best three-point shooter right now on this team, and he's shooting like seventeen percent from three, and that's not a joke. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Um, so so in the Big East, we saw vanilla vanilla. We saw Villanova <laughs> lose by twenty to Ohio State. Uh, yep. Where where Villanova maybe having a, a down year, Seton Hall being as good as they are, even with the infractions that they've been uh, set down with. Where do, where do you see Xavier at finishing in this Big East with the team they got, including let's we'll say right now, include when with Kiki Tandy back on this on the court. Yeah, you know the 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 really interesting thing about the Big East last year, and um, John Rothstein, I just heard him talk about this on, on pardon my take another popular podcast, yeah. but he, he basically said that the big East this year is going to be, it's going to be cannibalization. Like it's because what it was last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's I mean, they pretty example. much ate each other up last year. Yeah. I just think that this year, the, the talent and it's a, it's a little bit deeper. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know that people necessarily expected DePaul to, to be what they are right now. Or the fact that, you know, Creighton is such a dangerous team because of the way they shoot the ball. Butler, Butler, a lot of people were down on Butler going into the season. And Butler's off to a great start. And they've got they've got a bunch of guys banged up and hurt right now. And, you know, then you talk – Georgetown, I think people thought they were going to be better. And they've kind of fluttered a little bit out of the gate. But, you know, they were a tough team last year at times. They got a lot of good young talent. And obviously you talk about Seton Hall and you talk about Providence and Providence might, you know, might on paper might have the most talent on their roster. So it's like, I think Villanova is a little bit hard to figure out right now because they're going to be really relying on new guys. You know, the Brian Antoine, he's a five-star guy. He just got medically cleared to play. So they're going to get him back. And they got the, the big man, um, Jeremiah, Robinson Earl, or I, I might have butchered his last name. Uh, it is what it is. They are, they're going to figure it out, I think, at some point. But to answer your question, Xavier, it, and it's an if, you know, so that's where I get hung up on all this yeah. because yeah. if they can become the offensive team that I think they can be, then I don't see any reason why they can't go toe-to-toe with Seton. I mean, you think about last year. Xavier was a one bad call away from playing Seton Hall in the Big East tournament yeah. final. You know, like yeah. that, that if you would have told me that la- at this time last year, I would have said you're crazy. There's nobody that so would believe that. Exactly. So it's like there is so much basketball still to be played. I think Xavier has plenty of time to figure this out. And their talent, they can stay healthy if they can get guys like Kiki Candy healthy and get him involved and integrated into the offense. I think they've got the talent, the athleticism, and the toughness to go toe to toe with anybody in the Big East. I truly do. And that's not even that's not even really talking about Marquette. Never even brought Marquette oh, yeah, up I in that matter. You talk maybe Marquette. the best player in all of, in the whole Big East <laughs> yeah. out there. So yeah, you can't I mean, forget about Marcus. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's definitely loaded. But like you said, I could see it being a cannibalism 
uh, type aspect. I like that word, cannibalism, for it. That's, yeah, makes it Rothstein actually Rothstein in perfect John Rothstein fashion. I believe the <laughs> phrase he used was cannibalization on an Anthony Hopkins level. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you if you watch Hannibal, you know, of course, that's <laughs> pretty good. That's good. I like that. All right, so so a big part of I think getting this offense going has to be uh, getting Quentin Gooden going, right? I mean, he yeah. he's had a rough start. Why? Yep. What do you attribute that rough start to? And and do you see him getting out of this thing soon? What is he doing to to work his way out of it? Yeah, you know, Travis Steele has gotten a lot of questions about this because that that has been the noticeable thing. I mean. Quentin Gooden is has literally played in and started more games than anyone else on the Xavier roster. Yeah. He's their most experienced player. He's a top 10 guy all time in Xavier history and assists. And I think somewhere along the line, Quentin might've forgotten that because to me, you watch him through these first four games and he almost looks a little bit lost in that, I think he's in the midst of some sort of kind of identity crisis. Like, I think he thinks that Xavier needs him to score 20 points a night, and that's not necessarily what they need from him. Now, right. don't get me wrong. If if Quinn takes what the defense gives him, yes, he can score 20 points a night, and he can look good doing it. I think a lot of times this year you've watched him settle for jump shots. You've watched him – dribble into kind of no man's land and get caught. And then, you know, he throws it away or he, you know, loses possession to me, Quentin Gooden is best when he is facilitating the guys around him. And he hasn't done that yet this year. So I think Travis, you know, Travis is not going to throw one of his guys under the bus. He's not going to, you know, do anything like that. But I think that they've had real conversations about, how to get him on the same page, how to get what what Travis wants him to be, how to get him on that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Travis just said yesterday that Quentin had his best practice of the year. So, you know, I, you know, practice is practice, but I think that this trip is a big trip, not just for Xavier, but for Quentin Gooden, because Quentin Gooden right now, you watch him, you watch his body language. He's dejected. Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah, I think he's getting down on himself because things haven't gone his way because maybe he makes a turnover or maybe he makes kind of a boneheaded play. But a turnover or five. Or five. <laughs> <laughs> but the, what they need him to be is they need him they can't that can't be one of your leaders. One of your lead, if one of your leaders makes a bad play, that can't be that can't be the guy whose head is hanging. Mm-hmm. And I think right now he needs he needs a motivation. He needs some confidence. He needs a good game, something that he can build on. And I think that's that's kind of what they want to see out of him down here in, in Charleston. Well, that's where it starts in practice. So if he had his best practice yesterday, that's you know that's that's how you really get going to me. Yeah. And, and and I agree. And he has to have a good game. And mm-hmm. it's if it's a confidence thing. And then, you would know, being you know, you know, being you know, being a being a head, not a head coach. What are you? What are you? Assistant, I, uh, assistant girls, JV. I, I, I coach. <laughs> I coach high school girls basketball. It's it's not, nothing close he to work. He's a trader, Adam. He went over to Oak Hills. Oh, did you? Yeah, that, that's that's why I'm coaching the girls. I couldn't possibly couldn't possibly coach the boys. <laughs> couldn't possibly do it. <laughs> not against yeah, my Panthers. <laughs> I hear you, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, we mentioned a couple guys. Um, but, you know, Chris mentioned to start this whole thing, 
there are several new faces on this team, and Xavier's done a really good job, I think, the last several years of bringing in transfers, grad transfers specifically. Um, last year, a couple guys played pretty big roles. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the other newcomers on this team that we haven't talked yeah, about? Yeah, because you got Jason Carter and Bryce Moore that are going to play huge parts on this team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and you've kind of already seen it in bits and pieces. You know, um, Bryce Moore, he's going to be that defensive bulldog. Oh, he's going to be – Muscles. Yeah, yeah. They call him I muscles love, for real. They call him muscles. I love, they do. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's a fun dude, man. And, you know, he's someone who I think is his shot is also going to get there. You know, you. I think he's actually shooting 33% right now. He's like four for 12 from three. But he's a guy in practice when you watch him, He, I bet you he makes close to 50% of his threes in practice. Like, it's uncanny how much better these guys have been shooting the ball in practice compared to games. It's got to come. But that's going to be – it's going to come. I I have full faith that it's going to come. And you've gotten to see a little bit of Bryce right now, what he can bring. And Travis loves his game. Jason Carter, um, he's already – you know, he's worked his way into the starting lineup. He he dealt with a back injury, so he missed about a month leading up to the season, which is the reason why he's only averaging 20 minutes a game right now. He's going to be more and more a part of the offense. You saw it against Missouri. And I think the best part of his game is, well, he's got a high IQ, but like a lot of times he's going to get it out on the perimeter and he can shoot it. But the best part of his game to me is when he can't, he'll throw up a shot fake and attack the rim and go in there and, and bang with the big boys. So, and he's going to help out tremendously rebounding the ball too. So I think, you know, those are two really good role players. If those guys can be, you know, if Carter can be a guy who averages 12 points a game and, and six to eight rebounds, and Bryce Moore can be a guy who knocks down two or three threes a game, that's that's exactly what Xavier needs out of them this year. Thank and you. they're that good. And that I mean, if they if they can get that, that's that's huge because. You know, Quentin, Paul, Najee, Tyreek, those guys are all guys who are probably at the end of the season are going to be averaging a double figure. So that's what their offense needs. Yeah, and and right now it's all about the offense because everybody's playing really good defense. Yeah, um, they've Starting been, with this, a guy like Bryce Moore, Najee Marshall, those guys have been pretty locked down. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people who have been on the Xavier beat a lot longer than I have, and they all say the same thing, that this is probably the best defensive team that, they, that they've seen at Xavier in, like, maybe a decade so wow. maybe yeah. longer than I, that i agree I, I mean i've been going to xavier games since i was you know two and i can't <laughs> i i honestly the the way that in the to be as bad offensively as they are and to keep playing defense now a lot of that goes to the fact that they're deeper now than they've been in a long time and yeah. that helps you on the defensive side of the ball um but uh yeah i agree with you on that i got, yeah, I, got I got a question for you this yeah. is a it's a little it's a slightly off topic here, but uh so tell me about do you know anything about this uh junior uh what is it called? The junior uh Xavier Musketeer junior reporter questions. Yes. You know something about that? Do you do you have anything to do with that? Well, essentially what happens is um someone from Xavier's marketing so last year was my first year I got to experience it Xavier marketing has this I I guess you would call it a contest I'm not exactly sure how they picked the winner but basically for the Lipscomb game this year I'm gonna have a a young boy or a young girl with me um 
and then after the game in Travis's post-game press conference, that that little kid gets to ask Travis a question. So last year it was pretty fun, and I think um, I think the little dude with me asked Travis like what they do at halftime or something like that, and he ended up getting a pretty good answer out of him. So it's nice. it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, I actually just got a call from my sister. My nephew uh, is the one who won that this year. Really? Yeah, he's a little eight-year-old guy, and then they, she was saying that he gets the—he's going to be with the uh, the beat reporter from from the or he he was going to be with the guy from the Enquirer. And I said, "Well, That's how me. crazy is that? I'm going to have him <laughs> on a podcast awesome. tonight." <laughs> well, hey, are are you going to coach him up? Are you going to try to work on a question with him? Or are you going to let him do it on his own? You know, he's a pretty smart cat, man. He's he's eight or nine years old, and I feel terrible. I don't know exactly how old he is. I think he's nine. <laughs> Uh, but he's a pretty smart cat, man, and he's—I—I uh, I got full faith in him. My dad's gonna be—is uh, gonna go down or whatever with him. So I'm sure my dad will be spitting in his ear or something. But I let him—I let him do his thing, man. He's—he loves Xavier basketball cool. and he watches every game, so he'll be fine. But anyway, I just want to yeah. take care of that. He, it's a uh, little, little, little Owen Gullet. So. Oh, nice! I look forward to it. There you go, man. We appreciate. He's gonna—he's gonna get—he's cool. gonna get his picture with me too. So that'll be—that'll be a real treat. <laughs> Maybe I'll—I'll uh, I'll get a—I'll get a nosebleed sports podcast T-shirt for him to bring down for you. That'd be perfect. There you yeah. go, man. That sounds good. Well, speaking yeah. of Travis Steele, I know Adam. Adam had a question about Travis Steele. Yeah, I, I was yeah. listening to the um, to the Travis Steele radio show on Monday, I believe it was, and I, I just noticed that he. I feel like his first couple of years, he wasn't quite as um, as outspoken. And you mentioned he's never going to throw one of his players under the bus or anything like that, and he didn't do that. But I feel like he talked about in the Missouri State game being unhappy with the effort on the defensive end, at, at least after they got up to that big lead. And then he said it kind of, you know, he even kind of mentioned Tyreek Jones specifically, how he, you know, he can get a little lazy sometimes. And he, I, I just feel like I hadn't, hadn't heard things like that from Travis Steele, at least out in the open before. Do you feel like he's getting more comfortable? Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, is Travis Steele getting more comfortable um, in the head coaching? Yeah, I guess just in his role. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I think that's a great question. And it's like, you know, last year there was this dynamic where it was like, Travis was really available to the media and he was like, you know, very open and very like available with his time. Mm -hmm. And that's been the biggest thing this year is like, I think he's gotten more comfortable that, that this is like, this is not too big for him. Does that make sense? Like that, like, I think last year coming in, you know, not many people expected a lot. And I think that there was this sense that, like, oh, yeah, you know what, it's going to take some time. But I think the way that they finished last season gave Travis personally a lot of confidence in that, you know what, he he can do this. He's in the right spot. And this year, I you know, he does seem more confident, but he also seems more determined. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like last year, you know, he was very open, very – and he still is. He's still, you know – a great coach from a media perspective in terms of like being, you know, approachable and and great with his time. But like, it's kind of hard to explain that this year there's like, there's a little bit of an angle to him where, you know, it, he just, it looks like he, he knows that this, that this is 
a good year. Like he yeah. knows that this, that, that he's in the right spot that he got through last year. He survived that. And I think that that made him a stronger coach. And I think he's more comfortable in who he is and, and what this job entails. Yeah. And that, that, that is the feeling that I got from listening to him talk about that game and kind of the, you know, it, it, he was kind of, you could kind of tell, or I felt like I could kind of tell that he was trying to be careful not to, you know, be too overzealous about how he described being a little frustrated with the team with their effort in parts of that Missouri State game. Um, but I, I think that's a, that was a great way to, to explain it is he's just more sure of himself and, um, and, and you can tell. I just could. I felt like that was a a, a good um, a good case of that. Yeah, and I think I think he knows how to push these guys now. I think he knows like, hey, you know what? I can push this guy's button. And I can push it right up until this level. And I know that that's the right spot to be. And I think that he has challenged these guys and he has gotten on them. But he's also given them credit for the fact that, you know what, you found ways to win. Like, yeah, you didn't play good. I wasn't pleased with the effort for 40 minutes. I wasn't pleased with the execution for 40 minutes. But you found a way to get it done. So I think that he's he's figuring out how to – be hard on them but to also say you know what you didn't do this this and this but you still you still found a way and like i'm proud of that so there i think that we are seeing a different travis Steele this year that's a great thing so uh yeah. real quick before we let you go uh we talked about the the we talked about the big you know the four returning guys we talked about the transfers uh, we talked about Kiki as a freshman. Well, there's some other freshmen here that are going to get that are getting some big playing time in Bishop and Fremantle. You got any uh, yep. any inside any inside uh, spiel on those guys that uh, Xavier fans might might uh, might want to hear? Yeah, well, I think I think Damir Bishop's going to be fine. I you know I I really Is like. Is he going to make a three game. this year? Is he going to make one? <laughs> He'll be. Yeah, he will. Honestly. <laughs> I, you know, it, when people asked me early on about him, you know what I said, and I think it sort of still applies. I think he was a little bit gun shy early on. And I think, I think he's still trying to acclimate to that college game. And obviously yeah. after four games, you know, you can't blame a freshman for, for not exactly being able to figure it out yet, right. but he's going to get there. Like his, his athleticism, you haven't Man. really gotten to see it yet, but he is an elite athlete. He's and, attacked and a couple times, and when he attacks that basket, man, he looks he looks exactly. like an elite athlete. Yeah, he's a slasher, and I think it, the, the better he does that, the more space he's going to get out on the perimeter to knock down shots, and that's going to come. You know, I have full faith that it will. Now, the guy who who I have, like, an ongoing love affair with is Zach Freeman. <laughs> you got to, right? I, I love him. I literally like. I love the way he plays basketball. If you, I, I promise you this: the next time you go to a Xavier game, and he's in the game, just watch him. Like, don't watch anything else. Just watch him, and he, he get like the way he gets angry, the the passion that he plays with. It's just I for a freshman like to come in and. You're going against Jeremiah, Missouri senior Jer or junior Jeremiah Tillman, who's 6'10", 260, and you're a true freshman, and you, that's your third college basketball game, and you don't flinch. Right. That is Zach Fremantle in a nutshell. His offense is going to get more polished, but and so is his defense. 
but it's like he's going to have a full season of trying to guard Tyreek Jones down there in the low post in practice. He's going to come out of this season, and I think he, he could be an all-Big East caliber guy next year, easy, in my opinion. I completely agree with that because, the, like you said before, we, we have big guys. In Xavier's history, big guys come into the program, and it takes two to three years for them to develop. Yeah. This kid's coming in ready to go and playing very offensively at least. Uh, he's playing I think he I think he looks great back to the basket kind of guy and he can step out yep. and shoot. Yeah man it's like you know toughness it's a cliche but toughness is one of those things that you can't teach and this kid's got that in the spades. I like it. Yeah. All right Adam before we let you go we got to get a prediction Panthers and Cardinals. What do you got? <sighs> You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible homer, so I can't pick Colerain in this game. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say – oh, this is good. I'm going to say 34-28 to 28 Panthers. Ooh, I like wow. that. That's a good one. I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Because I think, you know, Elder's defense has, you know, at times this year, I think they've been really impressive, and at times they've given up some points in a hurry. You know, ultimately – and this was kind of more a factor when Tom Bolden was Colerain's head coach, but kind of the knock against Colerain has always been there's going to be one playoff game where they get sloppy. There's going to be one playoff game where they don't look like the Colerain from the 10 weeks of the regular season. Sometimes that happens in the regional final. Sometimes it happens in the semis. Sometimes it's happened in the state championship before. So to me, I think whichever team can take care of the ball and, and kind of – not fall into the penalty trap, I think that's going to be huge in this game. Yeah, and, and what I love about the matchup is that Cole Rain does if they're still, and you, you said they're still running that option, so they might throw the ball like two or three times a game, and honestly, I think that's Elder's weakness is defending the pass. It's it, defending it, it the has pass, been all yeah. year, so uh, I think that's good. I think that's good for the Panthers coming up here, so um, as long as they don't give up that, you know, and that's the thing is Sometimes they'll get a touchdown on that on that you know one or on those one or two pass plays because you run the ball <laughs> all game long and they you did are it not against us in O two man they yeah. they or I guess it was O one but they uh, they they ran the ball like thirty they they threw two passes in the entire game and they were both went for touch for like forty yard touchdowns yeah. yeah man you can't be sleeping on them yep that's right all right man well Very you'll good. be back you'll be back on Saturday correct for the the next game next home game here will be saturday that lipsum come game yeah that'll be um i think 10 days from today yeah the 30th well enjoy yourself out there in uh charleston have some fun man and uh bring home a couple w's and when you get back here take care of that little guy hey i got you man no problem i appreciate you guys having me on always a pleasure hey we appreciate it more than anything man it's a it's a it's a good time oh hey real quick before you get out of here how people get a hold of you if they uh if they want to if they want to follow you on the tweet box or uh, catch any of your stories yes so you know cincinnati.com all my stuff goes up there um you know there's a search bar on the right you can just type in my name you get all my stories and then i'm pretty active on twitter as you guys know it's just adam j baum b-a-u-m Excellent, and you got a blue yep. you got a blue check, don't you? I do have a blue check mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this that guy. Up. Look at this guy. The blue check. <laughs> what can I say? I wonder how what many Elder Panthers, how many uh, Elder Panther alumni have a blue check mark? You're just let's see. Adam Baum, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. That's it. Eric Wood. <laughs> Eric, Eric Wood. Wood. There you go. <laughs> Eric has one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Eric Woods. Actually, John John Fay has one. Oh, that's oh, another man, other guy. Son yep. of a gun. I forgot yep. about that. Yeah, there you go. There. there you go. So you're gonna <laughs> you add to the list. All right, man. Well, you have a good trip up there and uh, get some sleep and oh oh and enjoy. It's gonna be tough for you because seven o'clock. Elder plays at seven. Same exact scenarios last year. And Xavier plays at nine. They couldn't get the 12 o'clock game. You can't get up there and see if they can switch to the 12 o'clock game? (laughs) I've tried to pull everything. Actually, last week I tried to get Xavier to put the Elder St. X game up on my side of the jumbo oh, I was hoping they would do it too. They put the scores up in the top left uh, above the student <laughs> section on the left-hand side, and I was hoping they yeah. would put it up there during the game. I, I had to st- sit on my phone all day it, like you were probably doing on Twitter during the game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be another nerve-wracking Friday for me, <laughs> The Panthers man. win. It's going to be worth it. There you go. Well, you got, Saturday, you got Saturday off if Xavier continues to win. So go have some we'll, – hopefully it's celebrating a uh, – a Panther and a couple Xavier victories at the time. Hey, nothing would make me happier. There you go, buddy. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Thanks, man. Adam. All right, you too, boys. Thanks. There we go. Adam Baum, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, man, he's – tell you what, that dude, uh, he's, he's a good interview. That guy's a he's, – he's a wealth of knowledge. He is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything different from a, from a Panther alumni, but right. wealth of knowledge right there, buddy. That's right. And Adam Baum uh, called us on the Training Personally hotline. Yes, sir. Uh, there is no reason to wait until January to start getting in shape. A lot of us think every day about what we need to do. Uh, a lot of us are uh, belong to a gym, uh, have a fitness routine of some kind, but – need to start over and, and and start new, start fresh. To do that, go check out Training Personally with Peggy Edwards, certified personal trainer, certified nutrition specialist. Peggy Edwards has your circuit training workout already set up and ready for you to start. You'll get the one-on-one attention from a certified personal trainer, but you don't pay the outrageous hourly fees that most personal trainers will charge you. Lots of membership options. Peggy will structure a workout plan, a nutrition plan, and a payment plan that best suits you. Stop in, take a look around, tell Peggy that you heard about training personally from the Nosebleed Sports Podcast, and she will give you your first month of membership for free. That's insane. That's just unbelievable. A whole month for free? An entire month for free. Uh, All the information you need can be found on Facebook at Training Personally with Peggy Edwards, on at trainingpersonally.com. You can also call Peggy or text her, get some more information, whatever questions you have, 513-326-0296. That's Peggy Edwards with Training Personally, 513-326-0296. And Adam Baum called in on the Training Personally hotline, and the uh, Nosebleed Sports podcast is brought to you by uh, Ohio Mosquito Control, ohio-mc.com at Ohio Mosquito, Mosquito Control. We are fully, we're not, they're fully licensed uh, and insured pest control company specializing in mosquito control. Uh, it's time to enjoy the outdoors again. Get a hold of Ohio Mosquito Control. They're at ohio-mc.com. They uh, offer quality services to the Cincinnati area at reasonable prices. They're family owned and operated and they're just a phone call away. You can get a hold of them at ohio-mc.com. Book your first uh, appointment online. Right now, it's probably they're probably not doing too much, but uh, come come uh, springtime uh, when the mosquitoes start kicking up back up, man. I'll tell you what, they'll do one-time sprays. They'll do uh, they'll set you up for a, a full summer 
make sure that the mosquitoes don't come don't come uh don't come bothering you for the whole summer and they'll also do special occasions if you just need a one-time spray so check them out at ohio-mc.com all right man what we got going on today well before we uh before we move forward with uh, a couple other topics we're gonna jump on our weekly nfl picks against the spread yes the picks of the week picks of the week Thank you for the thanks for playing the sounder there. We finally made a sounder. Picks there it was of the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if I can continue to do that exactly the same. Picks of the week. <laughs> All right, so let's do it. Uh, let's start us off, man. How how did we do last week? So week eleven, uh, we we were identical. We both went two and one. Hey, two and one. That's a good week. So I'm still up by one game right now. Is that correct? That's correct. So we yep uh, we kept pace with each other, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm 18 and 15 on the year. You're 19 and 14. Uh, so pretty successful week for both of us last week. Coming up on this week though, week 12. Yes, sir. Tell I'm gonna me get, about it. I'm gonna get. <laughs> I will. Um, no reason to mess around. I'm gonna go Buffalo minus four versus Denver. They're wow. in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Buffalo four point favorite at home. I'm taking them. Uh, Seattle is a one-and-a-half-point underdog at Columbia. Seattle as an underdog, not many teams I'm going to, uh, you know, not not take that spread. Uh, so I got Seattle plus one-and-a-half. Detroit, the Detroit Lions are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Washington, the second-worst team in the NFL. Nice. Well, you ran through that pretty darn quick there, sir. I did. <laughs> you did. I, I, I paused a couple of times to hopefully yeah, appreciate that. Give you a second. But, All right. Um, anyway. Well, I'm good. I'm good. Let's get it. Let's get it going. I'm I'm uh I'm gonna go with. Uh, we're gonna start off off the bat with a team in the by the name of the Washington Redskins. Did you take the Redskins? I did not. Okay, I'm gonna take the Redskins plus three and a half at home. Uh, I am going to take. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to take the Cowboys plus six and a half. Uh, I don't know where that spread's going to end up on Sunday because we, as as uh, we say every week, we record this on Wednesdays uh, around 10:30-ish on Facebook Live. So these are spreads that are on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this uh, on any other platform, it'll be Thursday or later. Spreads will change, uh, so make sure you check your spreads before you listen to whatever we're saying. However. However, at this moment in time with six and a half, I'm taking Dallas. I got a feeling that's gonna that's gonna that that's gonna change. That'll be that might be below six by the time that game goes off. I could be wrong about that. Maybe not. Dallas's offense has been looking really good. So that brings me to the last game, uh, which I'm gonna take Pittsburgh uh, minus six and a half. That's an easy one for me. I'll take anything. This Cincinnati Bengals team is terrible. Is Mason Crosby? Mason Crosby. Mason Rudolph playing this game? As far as I know, uh, yeah, because I'll tell you why. Because he did not get any sort of suspension, nothing for his involvement in the uh, situation that happened last week. So I want to say this, okay? Thursday night football was the day after we record, so we uh, nothing. We have not re- we have not recorded any podcasts since the incident happened. Miles Garrett, Mason Crosby. Uh, there's a helmet Rudolph. issue. Mason Rudolph, I keep saying Mason Crosby. It was not the kicker. It was the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh, uh, I almost said Pirates, Pittsburgh Steelers. It also wasn't Sidney Crosby. Uh, Uh, Pittsburgh still, but just not Sidney. Okay. 
Anyway, I just wanted to confuse you a little more. <laughs> I, 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 who knows what I'm going to say next? Uh, so anyway, uh, we have a helmet issue with this, right? There's a helmet issue that goes down. There's a lot of it. I kind of, I, I got to say, to start this off, before I start making jokes, because I am going to, I am going to try to be funny in this case, because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that was a little funny to me. Before we start that, I want to make sure that I say I don't condone anything that happened in this in this whole incident. Yeah. It was all bad. Every bit of it was bad from start to finish. Uh, and it all deserves whatever punishments are going to come. On that note, let just I just want to preface everything I say from here on out. Like I, I don't, I'm not condoning anything. But didn't it just look like Miles Garrett? Like I mean, when when Mason came running at him, it just looked like Miles Garrett was trying to put his helmet back on him. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Mason Rudolph was a little upset that he took his helmet off. He was. He was walking. Miles Garrett was walking away with his helmet, you know, just like anybody else would do after you just rip somebody's helmet off their head, <laughs> just trying to mind his own business. And here comes little pretty boy running at him like he's going to start a fight with a, a, a giant defensive end. So what happens? He says, hey, give me my helmet. Miles Garrett says, all right, here's your helmet. Tries to put it on his head. Didn't exactly fit on uh, the way that he was trying to put it on, but he gave it a go. He did. So, <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure most people listening to this or probably everybody listening to this is, Everybody's I'm heard. sure. That is not what happened. It. He swung the helmet. He purposely tried to hit Mason Rudolph in the head, and he did. He and successfully he did. clocked him. That had to hurt. Uh, absolutely, and he's lucky he didn't get hit, like, with the top of the helmet or something because yeah. he, like, almost put it on know. him, actually. <laughs> he did. I don't know if that would have hurt worse. I mean, would, would the edges of that helmet where he got hit by the edge of the bottom of the helmet, I feel like that that had to be pretty painful. I feel like that would have put me six feet under the ground, and, and all that Mason Rudolph did was turn around and put his hands up to the official, like, what are you going to do about that? It didn't even look like it hurt him. I know. It's, I don't I know how that's possible. I was watching the game. I thought he I – th I didn't think the helmet actually hit him. I thought it, like, grazed so off I. the side of him. Oh, no, man. He got – you get that close-up view, him. buddy. He got him good. Now, what is this – what do you think – I mean, is this, like, assault with a weapon? Oh, no. There, you're not going to get anybody in – uh, in the in, it was in Cleveland, right? You're not going to have anybody, whether it was Cleveland, no, or Pittsburgh, wherever the heck the game was. No, no public, no, 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 um, uh, prosecutor for the city or county or whatever, wherever it was, is going to go after him. Mason Rudolph can't press charges. That's not how it works. The prosecutor there is the one who would have to press charges in this case. And that's not going to happen. Anytime something like this happens in these professional sports, they pretty much leave it up to the NFL or Major League Baseball to take care of whatever they take care of. It's not going to happen. All right. Now, Mason could probably sue him for something, but that's all that would happen in that case. And I don't see that happening either. Okay. That's number one, assault with a deadly weapon. Every time that they say hike or hut or whatever, it's assault with a deadly weapon. These guys are running at each other. These are the biggest, craziest, physical, physically fit beasts you've ever seen in your life. And basically, as soon as they get on the field, it's attempted murder every time somebody, they're just trying to kill whoever has the ball. I think there's a huge difference between <laughs> between those two things, but not sure. A, it's not attempted murder, obviously. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is they are you're out there and in your head you have to be 110% trying to knock out the person in front of you, get them out of physically get them out of your way, physically go try to tackle the ball carrier 
Uh, it's it's a you have to have a different mentality flipped on in your head when you're out there. Now, like I said, I want everything I say to be prefaced with I do not condone anything that happened, but I'm telling you, fights like this happen all the time. Unfortunately, Miles Garrett had a helmet in his hand at the time. And that is why wow. this one becomes way different, right? That's the reason this is different from any other fight that happens when two people get in each other's face. The difference is he had a helmet in his hand. I, trust me, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But when somebody comes running at you and you're on a football field and that's in your head, I, I and and you're 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 a hundred miles an hour and you're you know big tough guy defensive defensive end and that's the persona you have to put not persona. That's literally what you have to do while you're on the field. And somebody comes up, it's a, you would normally, you know, swing at them or be in a fight of some kind if somebody's running at you like a crazy person in the middle of a football field. He did the same thing. He just so happened to have a helmet in his hand. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally the opposite. I there's a there's a a line obviously where I love how every I love how this is the worst thing that's ever happened in football. I don't know who said that, but anyway, but anyway, I uh, I just don't know. You get that feeling by the way that this is all coming off. You get, say what you were gonna say. You feel the opposite. It, I I do. It, there's you know there are like personal foul penalties and stuff for a reason. Personal foul penalties happen even within the framework of a play, and those are illegal things. Those are those are penalties that you get for for a lot of different things actually, but um. You know they have they have those penalties for specifically things that happen within a play. This was totally outside. This was totally outside of f- football. I mean, I know you're on the field and your adrenaline is crazy and stuff, and I get that. Um, but at the same time, you have to you have a certain level. You're a completely different person, probably on the field than you are off the field. One hundred percent. But that is. A level, another level where you're another completely different person when you get to that point where you rip a guy's helmet off and swing it at their head. That's a completely, that has nothing, I don't now, think Now, that's hold on a second. Before, before you describe it that way, that's not exactly how it happened. He didn't rip the guy's helmet off and then swing it at his head. He ripped his helmet off, I'll give you that, and then he walked away. He didn't walk away. Oh, he walked away, he turned around and walked away from Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph jumped up. And ran back at him and when went he, after him and went after him. So it wasn't like he ripped his helmet off, well, looked at him, swung his helmet, swung and hit that guy right in the head. There was an offensive. He had stopped. He had stopped at that moment in time. He ripped the helmet off, and that was the end of it for Miles Garrett. Not really, because uh, DeCastro, the offensive lineman, was kind of like pushing him back. So he he kind of like, and then immediately Mason Rudolph went after him. So I who knows what even would have happened with DeCastro and him, but DeCastro it seemed like was kind of pushing him back and i don't know if he was i don't know maybe he was going to do something to him but if if um, castro was pushing him back miles garrett wasn't trying very hard to get to get at off that well because of my mason miles garrett who is a who is a nfl uh you know uh who who has an opportunity to be the nfl's defensive player of the year he's that good not anymore no, not anymore. But he's that good, and DeCastro's pushing him away. He's gonna, he's gonna get away from him, and he's going to, he's gonna get to do what he wanted to do. However, he had turned his back to Mason Rudolph by that point in time and was walking away. It was over. It was over. Mason Rudolph. All I'm, what I'm trying to say by this, because I, I, I once again, I don't believe any of. The, I'm, I'm saying this kind of as devil's advocate, right? Because fights happen in the NFL all the time. 
and this is not your normal NFL fight. I want to make that perfectly clear. But I also, it, it also needs to be known that that Mason, Mason, God, I'm going to say Mason Crosby all day. I've been doing it for the last, like, week. I've been saying that Mason Crosby. Mason Rudolph did not get a suspension for in, enticing this entire thing. Not the entire thing. Well, we don't know. It could be the entire thing. He may have enticed the entire thing, or he may have just enticed the actual helmet hit that apparently in the uh, meeting that Miles Garrett had with the NFL today, there was going to be some things that had, were come out about what happened before that, and I don't know what happened in the while beforehand. It looked like there was some huddle, scuttle, whatever. Mason Rudolph might have been ripping at his face mask first and things like that. Well, well, there's yeah, there's a an angle on that play. Um, that you that is on the internet that you can see where so miles garrett hits mason rudolph when he's throwing the ball or whatever and he goes down they both go down and you can see where mason rudolph like pulls on his helmet on miles garrett's helmet like he's trying to take his helmet off and i don't know if he was completely trying to do that or if he was mad about something or frustrated about something don't start don't start something you don't you don't think don't start something if you can't finish it especially with a grown giant like miles garrett if he was trying to pull his helmet off first that's and there are pictures where you can where you can look at it and say that's what it looks like he's doing if that's the case Mason Rudolph, one hundred percent, should get something. Some at How is least he not a game suspe- suspension. Or something. I thought he had a one game suspension. He didn't get I anything. Don't, I don't think so. No. And Miles Garrett got the rest of the season and postseason. Well, at it's, least it's indefinite. Yeah. Which by with, with which a, a minimum of the rest of the right, season. Which uh, yeah, that was the, that was one of the things I think Miles Garrett was was uh, appealing today was that there has to be a number. There needs to be a number set on it. You can't say indefinite. Uh, he you know for for a that he wanted a number so then he can appeal that mm-hmm. uh so we'll see I, I i don't know what came of that meeting today i didn't really get to look up too much which kind of sucks i'd like to have looked a lot up we just decided we were going to talk about this right before we came on <laughs> but i've been excited because i've been talking about it all week and i love being the guy that's trying to <laughs> make a joke of it right like it's come on there are so many fights in the nfl don't get me wrong i don't want anybody to get me wrong don't you know i do not <laughs> condone anything that happened from anybody pouncy any of these guys right mm-hmm. is all ridiculous it's all stupid none of it should ever happen uh everybody should be fined penalized suspended give them everything that they get however however let's think about let's think about how 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 upset we are at miles garrett right now right everybody's yeah. super upset at miles garrett mm-hmm. All right. Well, there was a lot more that went on in that thing. Mason Rudolph is this, you know, pretty white boy that is, uh, that that got beat up by some big giant black guy, and now and he doesn't get anything, and the big big giant black guy gets, you know, an entire season, postseason, and who knows where else after that, suspended. I'm just saying. I'm just they saying. Didn't, they didn't looks, do the same thing, but yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, well, Mason started. If he doesn't start ripping his helmet off, none of this happens. Uh, yeah. Right. You're right. You're right, and if that's what happened, and and who, we have you just no told idea. me that's what happened, didn't you say? He I was said pulling, that's he you, was pulling out his helmet. I said you can, yeah. There, there's an angle that you can see that that's what it looks like he's doing, um, and and, and like you kind of mentioned too is, who knows what happened all game long before that? I mean, I sure. there's so much trash talk and stuff, especially from football. a guy like Miles Garrett. It's football, <laughs> um, but, but they say Miles Garrett is one of the like quietest 
uh, uh, calm dudes you'll ever meet in your entire life. Like, yeah. Off the field, you mean? Well, off the field. Okay. I have no idea on the field. Everybody's different on the field. But he's supposed to be this super nice guy, blah, 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 blah. Sure. I'm sure he is. I, we and talked- I'm sure that everything he did... He is not Miles in his head. That that is he probably saying that's not me. Mm-hmm. That is not who I am, and I truly believe that. Yeah. I believe that with all NFL fights that go down. AJ Green and uh, uh, was a Ramsey, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. That whole fight that AJ Green. So, come on, don't who punches somebody in the head when they don't have it when they have a helmet on? That's stupid. First off, good for you, Miles Garrett, for finally the only person I've seen in a long time to hit another football player. But wait to hit them till they had their helmet off. <laughs> I'm yeah, sick of these people with his hitting. own helmet. Yeah. Oh, that was the other thing too. I feel like Miles Garrett probably should only have gotten the 15 yard uh, personal foul out of ever all this, right? I mean, that's the only thing that probably should happen. I mean, there's a rule. There's an actual rule that says uh, if a player takes a helmet off, it's a just a 15 yard penalty. That's it. That's all it should have been. So it should have been a penalty on the Steelers because Mason Rudolph's helmet is the one that came off. Well, no, it was Miles Garrett that took it off, though. Doesn't it's, matter. It says, it it's says if you take a helmet off, who the player that takes oh, it, if you take the helmet off. Of someone else. All right, if a helmet falls off, that's one thing. But if you take a helmet, yeah, that's my whole joke. I, tried, I was going for another one. But. I believe it was Miles <laughs> Garrett that I that I said earlier in this season that that I was he was one of my favorite players now because yeah. he did the Shawn michaels yes. pose right don't yes and don't let this all of a sudden i'm no t- I wanna- oh my gosh this totally throws the whole Shawn michaels uh, thing way out the window you can't adam, rip a guy's if, helmet adam, off and hit him adam, in the head with it as hard of, as you can you're by one the of the best people i know in my entire life right uh, you're, you're a, a super nice guy on the field off on the court off the court <laughs> i've seen you I've seen you so heated and look like you're ready to rip a referee's face off that that if I had my kid at the game, I'd be like, uh, eh, just don't pay attention to that. I'm not sure how I feel about that guy out there on the court. Why? Hmm. So there's things that happen when you – and that's going overboard. I obviously don't actually feel that way. What I'm trying to say to you is when you're on the field, that don't let – don't let one thing it's it's a body of work right use let let a body of work tell who miles garrett is sure one bad thing happens and all of a sudden i i i don't want that to happen to this kid because i truly think that he's probably a decent guy and uh his body of work shows that he's been that way how long has he been in the league you know uh four four years okay three four years so he could still have another two, two years is it two? Is that I, it? I don't know. So he's still maybe pretty early in his career. So he's got a he's yeah, got definitely. a long way to go to, uh, you know, make people forget basically about this kind of. You know, I, I you know people are always going to remember, and the internet exists, so the video will always forever be available. And every time the bo- both times every twice a year this will come up as long as Miles Garrett plays for the Cleveland Browns and they play the Pittsburgh. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Correct. So, but he ha- he does have a long way to go to to prove himself. You know that that's truly not him. Um, so anyway, that's we we like you said just discussed talking about that two seconds before we came on the air. Um, I'm glad we did though because I like I like messing around about stuff like that because <laughs> I feel like there's a whole lot. Of, we all know how terrible it is. It's horrible. Don't ever take a helmet off and swing a helmet. Yeah. Use a weapon to try to hurt somebody. That's a terrible thing to do. Don't do it. We don't condone it. However, when it's on a football field, man, it's entertainment, right? I mean, in the WWE, that would have been the that would have been that would have been a highlight. 
You know what I mean? If they was in the uh, they was in the uh, wow, that's good <laughs> English. Uh, if they were in the XFL, man, that would have been that would have been top shelf right there. You know what I mean? Play a week. Yeah, that's different. Uh, the NFL would like to have a more professional uh, presentation. But anyway, uh, honestly, that's not the worst thing that's ever happened on or off a football field from an NFL player by far. Third, third year, a, third year in the NFL, by the way. Yeah, so he's still he's very young. Uh, he's got a long way to go. So he'll be he'll be okay as long as he keeps his learns to you know learns from this and keeps his emotions under control. Just don't go after him. How about that? How about this? Okay. How about this? Don't chase after a giant defensive end and try to get in a fight with him when he has your helmet in his hand. Don't do that. And don't ask for your helmet back, or else he's going <laughs> to give it to you. Chris, the, hey, that's uh, all I got to say about the it. Major League Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame ballot. Are you worried that like we're going to get in trouble for this or something? No, <laughs> I just don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, the 2020 fun sometimes. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame yes. ballot. Let's do it. Has come out uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, several newcomers. Uh, one kind of close to our uh, Adam Dunn, former Red. The Dunner. Um, actually, a few former Reds. Uh, Adam Dunn, Paul Canerco, and it was the third, um, a third one. So the I'm pulling it up right now, so I'll let you know as soon those as it pops guys, up. <laughs> those guys are three, three new. Oh, Scott Rowland was the other one. That's it's it. Not, Roland, he's yeah. not a first timer, but he's uh, I think last year might have been his first year on the ballot. Um, and then there are several holdovers uh, from the previous year. Of course, you got Bonds and Clemens and Sosa and those guys that have have been on for a couple years and are slowly creeping up each year closer to that 75% that you need. Uh, I think they still have a long way to go. I think they're like in the mid-50s still from last year. Uh, so who knows if that's going to happen. Probably will at some point. Um, but right at, right at 60, both of them. Schilling's at 60.9, 60. Clemens is 59, was 59.5, and Bonds was uh, 59.1. Okay. So – those guys maybe still probably not think, but uh, we'll find out. And you know, as they, I, I think people every year talk about as the baseball writers get younger and younger, and the older folks uh, re retire and stuff like that. I think we're going to be further and further away from you know the whole steroid stuff. All you know that whole big thing that that lasted for a while in baseball. We're getting further away from that all the time, and. Uh, honestly, for a guy like me who used to be like super duper old school, crotchety old man, not that I'm not still that, but um, my opinion about baseball, I wanted to be the purist and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's fading for me a little bit too, honestly. It's fading so, for I mean, everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now, Clemens needs to be in, Bonds needs to be in, even Sosa, who's a little bit more borderline, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm not, I don't think it's going out on a limb saying that Bonds and Clemens are the two that you're like, okay, yeah, you know what? Those two, steroids, no steroids, everybody was doing it, nobody was doing it, they were the only ones doing it, whatever. Those guys were as good as it got. Either way, throw them in there, put an asterisk, do whatever you want. They sh those are Hall of Famers with or without. 100%. Uh, some other guys, some other first-timers that uh, were kind of intriguing to me, Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu has some numbers that, you know, he was a two-time All-Star. He won one Silver Slugger, one Gold Glove. He was a guy that always hit the ball pretty well. Um, 
wasn't ever like an MVP candidate or, well, I mean, he had a couple years that he might've gotten some votes or something, but, um, but you know, he has, you can look at the, at the list of hall of famers and he has more home runs than like Ryan Sandberg and Robin Yount and Clemente even, and Paul Molitor, more RBIs than those, you know, Edgar Martinez and and a couple of those same guys. Um, you know, he was a, he was a pretty good on base percentage guy. He, he got on base and he, he would hit doubles and stuff like that. So he had his OPS wasn't too bad. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that you can probably compare to some of the other players and think, you know what, he's might be right around that average kind of average hall of famer, uh, as far as his total numbers and at least some of the categories. So he was kind of intriguing to me. Jason Giambi's the same way. Um, you kind of think like, eh, Giambi wasn't a total player, wasn't a complete player, but the guy ended up with 440 home runs and over 1,400 RBIs. He was an MVP one season. His OPS was over 900, uh, five-time All-Star, a couple Silver Sluggers. I mean, he kind of has a resume that you could definitely put up against some of the some of the greats of all time, too. Yeah. I mean, he's another guy. Um, one that we talked about a couple of days ago when we first started talking, actually yesterday yeah. when we first started talking yeah, about this. Let's just bring it out. Is uh, Derek Jeter? So tell me off the bat, what do you think, Derek Jeter? Uh, I mean, he's a first bat Hall of Famer in my book, right? The guy did so much uh, for one of the greatest uh, teams for over a span of what ten years. That Yankees team, that it was, it was a Yankees dynasty for about ten or eleven years that they had, and Jeter was the mainstay on that of that whole thing. Yeah, he was one of the the, the core four or whatever With, it was. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I, I when I first people first started talking a couple of days ago when this came out about Jeter possibly being the next following his teammate Mariano Rivera as the next unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. right? And because Mariano Rivera was the first and only so far unanimous Hall of Famer, um, how many guys do you vote for? You can vote for ten. Ten. So yes. out of these guys on here, he's not one of your ten that you would put. He's not one of your top ten. When I first when I first heard people saying that about Jeter, I my opinion about Jeter was he was a good player, not an all-time great player. I got a chance to look at his numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we started getting into this the other day, he's an, he's and I, I was about to light you uh, not light you up, but I was about to not light you up because I didn't know the stats, but I had a very strong opinion on I thought Derek Jeter was definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you weren't so sure about it. Not first ballot. Uh, that he could unanimous. be unanimous. And now yeah. the word unanimous is so screwed up in baseball. Guys like you, guys like people in uh, in, in Cincinnati Reds or Seattle Mariners likeness that didn't get Griffey to be a unanimous now have this thing where if somebody's not going to let Griffey do it, then nobody should be able to do it. I don't care about that. That means zero to me. If you are a baseball writer and you're petty enough to be like, you know what? Nobody deserves this. That should never happen. I'm just not going to vote for. Well, no. If there, if you have a ballot in front of you and you got to pick the top ten guys, pick the top ten guys. Somebody's going to be unanimous. There's going to be a lot of them, in my opinion. Not maybe not a lot of them, but there's going to be guys that come up every year that they retire and you go, "Yep, Hall of Famer, done." And to me, I look at Derek Jeter and I think, "Hmm, Hall of Famer, boom, he's on there." So unanimous whatever don't not unanimous in my eyes making he can be unanimous should be because out of everybody on this list he would 100 percent be in my top 10 
he's he's in my top ten too. He's a, he's a definite Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. Um, so I've I've changed my <laughs> I've changed my opinion a little bit. Five um, World Series, five Silver Sluggers, five Gold Gloves, fourteen All Stars, Rookie of the Year, World Series MVP. The All Star Game MVP means nothing, but World Series MVP. Uh, the guy bat had a had a career three ten batting average. Three thousand, almost thirty-five hundred hits. I mean, that's a that, that alone that, gets you in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. His three thousandth hit was a home run, just like Wade Boggs. That's any. I feel like that's that's Hall of Fame. Uh, that's just aura, right? Like if your three thousandth hit is a home run and you're not a home run hitter, that's just the the aura about you. Just 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 leaks. H O F. H O F. H O F. Yeah, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. He's I wrote so of course because it's me. I wrote twelve players down for my for my Imagine ballot. that. Imagine that. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick ten guys here while I look at this. You go ahead. Give me your twelve. Okay. So the twelve I wrote down, and look, if I have to knock a couple of these guys off and then just vote for them next year, uh, <laughs> then okay, I will. But uh, the twelve I wrote down are Bonds, Clemens, Manny Ramirez is an easy Hall of Famer for me as well. Once again, that's a whole that why. that well that comes down to it's part of the steroid deal. I mean, he got he actually got busted and had to he got he he was he had two of them right. He had the fifty game and then the season long suspension, didn't Did he? he? I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, maybe that's when he retired was with the season long one. That was his last year when he got that. That's what I thought. I could be I could be wrong. About you that. might be right. Um, but his his all time his career numbers are so stupid, so 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 good. Uh, I so I have Bonds, Clemens, Ramirez, Jeter, um, Larry Walker, Todd Helton. I'm putting uh, Billy Wagner in. Ooh, Billy Wagner. So you're going with a reliever. I'm going with a reliever, Billy Wagner, because he would be like he would have like the fourth most. Is it like the fourth most saves, and he's right up there with saves, strikeouts, uh, ERA, WHIP. His WHIP was under one for his career. Um, he his numbers for the for the guys that are already in there, the relievers that are already in there, are at the top. I mean, it, yeah. they're and he's the top three or four. So uh, going with him, Gary Sheffield is a guy I need to be in there. I agree with that. Um, I wrote down Omar Vizquel and Andrew Jones. Uh, which I think I would get a lot of. Um, you get some pushback probably on on the Andrew Jones thing. The guy had a, a tremendous career in the beginning. He was, you know, looked at as maybe one of uh, was going to be a future Hall of Famer when he when he first came up. The guy was unbelievable. He had some years where he slacked off a little bit. Always came off as kind of a a slacker almost. He just kind of had that aura about him. Like he just kind of was a little lazy. I don't know if that's true or not. Just mm-hmm. looked that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Omar Vizquel though. I love that. Omar Vizquel. I mean, that's a, that's kind of, I, I kind of feel like if Davey Concepcion is not in there, then Vizquel shouldn't be in there. Vizquel should be co in either with or after Davey Concepcion. And he'd probably be the first one to tell you that because yeah. Davey Concepcion was his uh, idol. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I love Omar Vizquel, and I'd love to see him in the Hall of Fame because what he did for as long as he did was phenomenal. So neither one of those guys had offensive numbers worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Well, he had almost three thousand hits. He did, and that but that and that was the best thing about his. <laughs> you know, he played for twenty years or whatever, more than that, I think. Yeah. Um, but Andrew Jones had ten Gold Gloves, and Omar Vizquel had eleven, I believe. If you have double-digit Gold Glove awards, you're the best. You're the best of your generation, and isn't that what the Hall of Fame is? To me, yes. It's the best of a generation. Yes, and I don't think you have to be 
a great all-around player. I think if you're that good, that much better than most other guys, then every defensively yeah. or offensively, because there are, t- I'm sure there are a ton of guys in the Hall of Fame that were incredible hitters that couldn't play a lick of defense. Sure, but they're in there be- for their hitting alone. So I think the same should go for guys like Vizquel and Andrew Jones and Dave Concepcion. The guys that that really deserve to be in there because they are all-time great defensive baseball players. Uh, so uh, aside from those guys, I also threw Sosa in there and Giambi. Uh, so those are my guys. Those gotcha. Are the Twelve. Okay. So if I'm looking at this and I got to and I got to make a uh, decision on ten guys, mm-hmm. uh, I like Sh- I go Schilling, Clement, Schilling, Clemens, Bonds. Um, I'd go Manny Ramirez. I would go with Gary Sheffield. Andy Pettit is an underrated guy in this situation, man. That guy was a horse and did a lot for a very long time. Again, another guy who got busted for steroids was, was busted, came out, apologized. You almost never hear about that. Um, Derek Jeter, Cliff Lee. I think Cliff Lee was a phenomenal pitcher, maybe not first ballot Hall of Fame kind of guy. But I mean, he was that guy was he was phenomenal. I like the Billy Wagner. Um, man, that's tough from there. I don't know if I even, I think I might just vote for eight people. Is I that okay? That was, I think that was nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, yeah, is that nine? Them. I guess throw Larry Walker. I don't like. I don't. I don't know that Larry. I don't know that when I think of Larry Walker, I think of a Hall of Famer. I think that guy was as pure a hitter as there was. Uh, for a for a, a a moment in time, but uh, Hall of Famer. Can I can I throw something out at you? I'd love to hear it. Seven Gold Gloves, three time batting champ, three thirteen career hitter. He he had seven Gold Gloves. Seven Gold Gloves. That's nine, pretty good for a right fielder. That's incredible. Nine sixty five OPS is way way up there, even for Hall of Famers. He was an MVP, five time All Star, three time Silver Slugger. I, it's weird to think he was only a three-time silver slugger, and he won and three batting titles and hit three thirteen for his career. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, um, and only a five-time All Star. But I, to me, and the All Star thing is voted on. Uh, it is what it there is. are flaws in that. There are flaws in that. Um, but there are flaws in a lot of these things. Gold gloves too. Honestly, I mean, guys, once you win a gold glove or two. You're you're pretty favorite. You're at the top you're of favorite. the list, and and a lot of people. You look at a guy like uh, like Billy Hamilton, who we dealt with for years, and and uh, a guy like uh, Jay Bruce, who you know you feel like you feel like got snubbed, and maybe it was because their offensive numbers weren't always there, mm-hmm. and they you know that was part of it. I mean, sometimes you got to have a guy that's a little popular to 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 get on that list. So yeah, but to me, Larry Walker for. Being a complete player for being a great defensive okay. player and such a great, like a really truly all time. If you win three batting titles, that's un- that's, that's that's, that's really big for good. me. Yeah, that's really um, good. And he was an MVP. It's hard to think, you know. Even, even, I know it's how only many one years season. did he play? I want to say like seventeen, maybe. Couldn't have been that long. He only had two thousand. He only had twenty one hundred hits. I, it's weird. He it's, couldn't have played that long. There's no chance. I'm telling. And you. have a three twelve or a three thirteen batting average. Larry Walker, uh, 89 to 2005, 14, 15, 15, 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. I, I. Well, no, 90. 90 to 2005, sorry. He only played 20 games in 89. So still, I mean. So yeah. 15 years. I just, I, yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, Larry Walker's only had one. Only had one year with over 165 hits. Sorry, hundred. Yeah, 174 there, but still, only one year with 200 hits. Not like that's a thing that you got to do. I'm just thinking as a pure hitter. Um, he led the league in batting average three times, 363, 379, 350. Holy cow, 366. He hit 366 and didn't lead the league. I'd like to know who led the league in 97. Is that Tony Gwynn? Might have been. That bet is Tony Gwynn. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm good with I'm good with that. But I just I'm I'm glad that when we got on the podcast, the only reason we were really going to even bring this up was to get was to talk about Derek you. Jeter. And I'm so happy to hear I came around. I'm so happy to hear that you came around on that. <laughs> yep, uh, yep. I just Ge- don't like this. The thing about the Hall of Fame, real quick, because I know we're supposed to be going quick, 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 quick. But the thing about the Hall of Fame that I can't stand more than anything is this deal about unanimous. That's, Hall of Famers. It's so, so you get to pick ten people on your list. There should be unanimous Hall of Famers on there. Mm-hmm. If everybody gets to pick ten people, how in God's name can I, I? don't know how you could look at this. It, maybe this year. Well, no, not this year. Derek Jeter's a Hall of Famer. Boom, done. It's in there. But you know, it, you, you, there are years. There's plenty of years where, uh, I mean, who are the guys you got coming up? Um, I don't even know. There's got to be some people coming up over the next few years that are oh insane. Yeah, that was a that I, was a question that if I if I would have been ready for it, I probably would have looked it up. But I'm not. So um, no, I'm on the same page though. I but I still and I was one of those people for the last couple of years. And I, I had Doc a holiday will be coming up on. That's the one I was thinking of. Doc Holiday is going to be coming up next year. Roy Holiday is a Hall of Famer. I think he's on the ballot. No, he's not. No, on he's not on the ballot. No, he'll, he's next year. Roy Holiday is a Hall of Famer. His stats. You look at his stats. Wasn't he inducted last year? He was inducted. Oh, he was the one that was inducted inducted last year. This past year, yeah. Okay, you're right. That was, but he was a first ballot guy. There are guys that you look at them. They're they're if they're no doubters, why is everybody not have them on their list? Yeah, I, I, I did. I did really have a problem with Mariano Rivera being the first guy. I had a big problem with it. Um, but I I and I still struggle with it, but. I do also agree with you, though, that if he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. Don't not vote for him just to make sure there's at least one person that makes sure he's not a unanimous. If he's a Hall of Famer, put him on your ballot. It, it, there, there is no reason. It, we, we, you know, there does. From now on, it's so stupid. And at it this bothers point in time, me. yeah, that they're ridiculous. That, that so many of these guys, yeah. Griffey and Ted Williams and. All of them. Willie May, so everybody it was not. So, <laughs> so it reminds me a lot of the NBA and the MVP voting when Steph was the uh, had all number one was the unanimous number one vote for MVP, and that was the first time that anybody had ever done that. And that I'm, I, I remember hearing that and going, "Are you kidding me?" Like when Jordan won his MVPs and when LeBron won a couple of his MVPs, like who did not vote for these guys? Well, I don't know. I mean, that you know, there were other, there were so many other great players. There were great players, <laughs> but was there any question in your mind from '92 to '97? Even though it started in '90, I'm just saying, maybe the first couple of years you're like, oh, that dude's really good, but eventually it's like, okay, that guy is by far the most valuable player in the entire NBA. Yeah. When you're thinking of a guy like Michael Jordan or or LeBron in his prime, like LeBron took teams that didn't deserve to be 
in the in the in the top fifteen in the East and <laughs> took them to NBA Finals. Yeah. Like that's if that's not the most valuable player, I don't know what is. I hate to bring things back to LeBron, but you know. <laughs> the, by the way, did you hear the stat? Do you like him? But did you hear the stat? Stat of the day. Stat of the day. Do do do. I, I'm. Here's the stat of the day for the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. LeBron James, last night. Oh, yeah. Was it last night? Yeah, yeah, last night. Became the only player in NBA history to have a triple-double against every single NBA team. The problem is, the problem with that is, Russell Westbrook will eventually do that. Without question. I mean, I don't. there can't be very many teams that he doesn't have one against. One of them, obviously. I, no, he, he had – have they played uh, – have they played – uh, OKC yet? Uh, or was that what he was? He's still sitting out. It was that at the beginning of the year, and he wasn't playing because they they like might they have played him at the beginning played. of the year, and he wasn't playing because he didn't play the first few games of the season. Westbrook, yeah. Or was it Harden? Either way, I feel like yeah, I feel like they may have played. I, I, I it's going to happen, right? I mean, he's going to get a yeah. triple double against them. I can't Definitely. imagine there's too many more teams, but LeBron, you know, doing what Le, doing LeBron things, man, adds to his legacy. Doing LeBron things. Legacy. I love that. Speaking of legacy, uh, one of the great, in my opinion, one of the top two or three probably for me personally, comedians of all time is George Carlin. Uh, that I, was the, and totally his agree. We, his special uh, live at Carnegie or I think Carlin at Carnegie or something like that was uh, the special that we chose to uh, watch this past week. And uh, we, I did, you did. Because right. on the Nosebleed Sports Podcast, that's what we do every week. At the, end of this, at the end of the show, we have our comedy special hour. This week was George Carlin. It was George Live Carlin. at Carnegie Hall. From, uh, I want to say, the, was it the late 70s? 78. I think yeah. it was 78. 78. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think that's about when it was. So, uh, so, so I watched it, and yeah. uh, I want to I hear your opinion on it. Uh, am I going first this time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I laughed. I laughed when he did the news. I thought that was pretty good. The the little news thing he did. <laughs> yeah, there was, was a couple really things funny. that were really funny in there. Uh, the one-liner stuff he had was good. The very first joke when he first walked on stage, <laughs> yeah. I died laughing. Yeah, same. I died laughing. He, he, shocked, he shocked everybody. I love that. <laughs> Uh, when he got out of the news, he had a joke right off the bat. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but that was uh, that was another good one. Uh, I didn't take any notes, so I can't. Re- I feel bad because I can't really go back over what they are. <laughs> well, um, there's not a lot you can really repeat. Anyway. There isn't. There isn't. Uh, but if you watched it with us, there was some good stuff. And uh, I, you know, he does that fast talking stuff, and and I, I like it. I love George Carlin. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that was that was my least favorite George Carlin comedy special I've ever watched. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised by that. I think I'm gonna give it like two and a half haws. You're kidding? Yeah. Really? Two I wasn't. I wasn't super pumped. I I'm gonna tell you this because I wasn't happy with myself after I watched it the first time. Okay. Uh, so I watched it a second time just to get like, come on, man, that, you know, this is funny. Get <laughs> yeah. out here, get out here and cackle a little bit. I thought I just needed a couple days. Give it another go. Sometimes you're watching this thing. You've maybe have had a rough day or just mind. Yeah. Your mind's just not quite yeah. in it or something. Laughter like that. is contagious, right? So sure. you, if you're in a good mood, you're probably going to laugh more at it. And I watched it two different days and brother, I got nothing out of it. Really? Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't too, I wasn't, I was surprised myself. Huh? And at the end, 
one thing I can't stand more than anything. Like I love Tiffany Haddish; she's good. But the whole she ready, like I'm done with that. Right? Like, I've it was never fun. heard her say that, but I, that sounds what? like the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. This, like, it was in her very first comedy special, and she starts. She says it like six times in every comedy special that she does. That annoys the heck out of me, and I've don't never to, even seen it. You don't need it. to continue to do that. Uh, George Carlin has the seven words that you can never say on TV, <laughs> and God. he did those, and everybody went crazy, and then he did another spiel off of it and continued on with it. You know what, man? The last, like, ten minutes, the it last, ended yes. with this super-duper long list. Yes. <laughs> that and, was cracking and, me up. Did it really? Yeah. I wasn't I – I mean, I, I kind of had a good idea of what he was going to say. <laughs> Yeah. After like the first six, I was like, "Oh, so we're just gonna say basically every sexual innuendo we can come just up with, every curse word or every bad, yeah, every bad word." So I, I don't know, man. I feel like when you have something that was really good like that, like you know, yeah, you have your little thing where you say it real quick and it's over, whatever. Maybe, maybe not. I don't like that. But come on, get get it going, man. I know that might have been your thing at the time. That was his thing. Oh, there was of- one other one that I did like, real quick. There's one other one, the uh, comedian, the comedian sweepstakes or whatever he called it with <laughs> yeah. Richard Pryor. He, he said, so how it worked was Richard Pryor had a heart attack and then I had a heart attack and then Richard Pryor burned himself up and I said, screw that. I'll just have another heart attack. <laughs> I did love I that. that. He that said, I'm beating Richard Pryor two to one in <laughs> yeah, heart attacks. Two to one in heart attacks. But he's beating me one to nothing and burning yourself up. <laughs> that was so funny. Mm-hmm. I loved his his uh, his whole thing on food, how he was you know, being a, uh, not a picky eater, but what was yeah, he called? Fussy. A fussy eater. Fussy eater. Fussy eater because I related yeah. so closely yeah. to that because I am. I'm a fussy eater, but really all I am is a giant pain in the ass. Or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That, but he talked about a whole bunch of different kinds of food and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, the cat stuff was good. The dog stuff, eh, you know. The cat, I, yeah, the cat the stuff was cat really stuff good. Was good. Um, okay, so... <laughs> A couple of things. Number one, he's the best. He's the best cusser I've ever seen. He, I feel like he curses with a purpose. He, <laughs> u- he knows how to use those words to make them funny. Most comedians just throw the words out, just throw an f bomb out in front of whatever word they're saying. He, I feel like, uses curse words correctly or, or better, <laughs> better correctly. To, yeah, but uh, just, just knows how to use them to really enhance his jokes or enhance what he's saying. I feel like it's just different with him. Also, just the performance. He he says so many words. You kind of said that. He's a fast talker, buddy. He could be the micro machine guy. He's a fast talker, but he kind of changes it up a little bit because he can do that, and he can also do – pauses and and and, you know his his timing is incredible and he can change speeds but to to talk as fast as he does and do the jokes that he does the way he does them and not he doesn't slip up ever no he doesn't that to me is a skill that very few people have he even said he had notes i don't think he ever looked at them yeah i but but uh i know listen i've i 100% 100% with you. Like, George Carlin is one of my favorite comedians. I love that guy. I've seen a ton of his specials. I don't know what it was about this. I just, it just didn't, I wasn't laughing, man. I'm I wasn't, no, I wasn't Han. 
So yeah. two two to two and a half. I okay. mean, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I'm mesmerized by his uh, performance, his his delivery, um, and he makes me laugh very hard. I give this at least four. Wow. Yeah, that's as far as because we've been pretty close. We've been on pretty all close them, on everything really. except for. Um, Oh goodness! The fat guy who talks about food and being fat all the time. Oh, Jim Gaffigan. Jim right. Gaffigan. I was Except for Jim Gaffigan, Gaffigan right. we were yeah, yeah. we were off on that too. Yeah. And I'm I'm okay. So it sounds like for this one specifically, and we talked about this last week. He did a, a, a new special just about every year for about thirty years. Yeah. So there's like twelve of them on there. Yeah. Right. So. Um, are we gonna do a new one then? Are we gonna or a newer one? Is that is that? I'm what we're completely do? up for that. One of his back most to back recent ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you looked them up to see which uh, which I, one's more you know, recent? I didn't. I'm trying to think. I should know the the last couple that he did because I've seen them, but um, off the top of my head, I can't think of them. But um, he has, you know, there are several of them on. I don't think any of them on Netflix, which is yeah, surprising. All, they've to got me, he's they got quite a few on Prime. On Prime, right? Yeah. Yep. And you can you can see a ton of at least shorter clips um, and some full specials, I'm sure, somewhere on YouTube. So if you YouTube George Carlin, you can find probably every one of his jokes at from at some point just through uh, several different YouTube clips. This is definitely an older one. I mean, he's an old man right there. This is. Uh, I, that, I think that's his last one. Okay, so I let's think. do. Uh, it's bad for you. Do we yeah, want to do okay. his last one, or do we? I mean, you know, the I guy say, died right afterwards, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, he died. Yeah, because he died in two thousand eight. This was a special from March of two thousand eight. Okay, yeah. So that had to be his last one. Um, I I can do that one, or I can do one from a few years before that. You know, he I know he was he was still really impressive uh, at that last one. He was one hundred and fifty seven years old, but uh, life is worth losing. Okay, two thousand seven. He even looks old there too. Well, yeah, yeah, I it was guess the, the year before, before he died. Yep. I'm, uh, let's do life before uh, we'll do George Carlin. Life is worth losing. Life is worth losing. You, you got it. This is his 13th live comedy stand-up special performed at the Beacon Theater in New York City uh, for HBO. That's a very specific thing to have a 13th of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, I'm very excited, and I'm excited to hopefully that he uh, – I, I know I'll laugh at this. Listen, I, I, I laugh at George Carlin all the time. And I'll tell you what I've been doing here lately is I've just uh, just started watching Shameless. Okay. Uh, uh, on Netflix, the is it Showtime, I think that's on, or I'm not sure what it's on, one of those. Um, but uh, I never realized how much William H. Macy looks like George Carlin. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember what William H. Macy looks like. He's it's um, I, th- I think it's mostly just the beard because they do that <laughs> they do that uh, you know the like yours maybe but a little less. Uh, I gotcha. Well, anyway. I'm uh, I, I am very excited to watch another George Collins special. I I should probably so I have from December 24th through January 1st off of work, and I wow. should I should spend one of those days just watching a marathon of George Carlin specials. I feel like I might want to do that. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah a little resemblance there, sure. Yeah. Yep. Especially when it's yeah, when he has the beard and it's gray like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, and they both look probably probably twenty years older than they really are. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so you got some time. What you're saying to me? I I have some. I'll have some time during the uh, Christmas holiday. 
season. Sounds, sounds good, man. Well, uh, uh, so before, oh no, yeah, no, we got another podcast before the big turkey bowl. Maybe we'll talk about turkey football uh, because I was surprised on how fast you jumped on the uh, on the text uh, group saying you were in for for turkey football. Yeah, because the first group message we had, I said I'm in if it's at least forty degrees or over. Yeah, um, and then I think that was the last thing that anybody said. So for the rest until from that one time year later, for, no, from that time until you put another one out, I thought. Everybody thinks I'm a huge uh, wuss, and uh, and I I am, and that's why. But um, <laughs> but that's why I'm so. I, as I get older, I'm less tolerant of um, being uncomfortable everything, in the, yeah, of everything. Being uncomfortable um, <laughs> in general. Being uncomfortable, and but I need more. I need to be uncomfortable because that's how you grow. So, uh, but I, you know, I. I play football once a year, like most of us do, and that's what, um, I do. That's what we all do, man. And I worry about you know getting hurt or something. Stretch, you'll be fine. Uh, you'll yeah. be fine. I'm gonna have, we got to find out do. if somebody got a hold of Andre and Keith yet uh, to bring him to bring him down again this year. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll they're get both back in, in the like message. they're both in like the best shape of their lives right now. So hey, that's gonna be it's a good thing. We're not playing tackle a nightmare anymore. for us. I know <laughs> it is a good thing. <laughs> All right, in that case, uh, we had a lot of fun. Listen to George Carlin. Please uh, get on. Uh, let us know what you think. Big thanks to Adam Baum. Uh, guys, the guy is phenomenal. He does a great job. Please go on to Cincinnati.com. Read his, read his work on the Xavier Musketeers beat. Um, and, uh, yeah, check him out on, 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 on the tweet box. Adam J. Baum, right? Just Adam J. Baum Correct. on Twitter. Uh, Adam, how do they get a hold of you, buddy? I'm at Adam Schmidt 44. And I'm at Sick Witt. S I C W H I T T I T. Thanks to the folks for checking in on uh, Facebook Live tonight. I saw Steve Snodgrass, Dustin Driscoll, my my guy Dustin. Yeah. From the Kentucky Enforcers. Yeah. Um, their season starts uh, early January. So uh, check them out. Steve got on us. Uh, he was an in, in, in-house guest for us, and he, was, uh, he had a little suggestion. He wanted us to go over the Hall of Fame uh, ballot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earlier this week, he had said something to me to us on the face on the face tube. So uh, we we definitely wanted wanted to get into that. So uh, we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, Mr. Driscoll, appreciate it. Hey, Absolutely. congratulations! Uh, when when's your first game for the Oak Hills girls JV basketball team? Uh, it is Tuesday, November twenty sixth. So next Tuesday, get out to is it at Oak Hills? It is at Oak Hills. Get out to the Oak Hills gym Tuesday the 26th and uh yeah root on those root on the uh root on the highlanders yep absolutely and you get to see his pretty mug so uh on that note we appreciate everybody watching and uh don't forget to turn your headlights on